We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Peter Prothero, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Yeah, isn't God good? I want to speak to you tonight about honor, about honor. How many of you know what the first value of Equipus is? Hey, hey, there you go. So really speaking into the heart of the church. Um, you know, honor is an interesting thing. Um, we could break it down. How do we honor God? And then how do we honor one another? I don't want to deal tonight with how we honor God. There's all kinds of way we, ways we do that. For instance, in Proverbs 3.9, it says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. Have you ever thought that your giving is a way of honoring God? So we're not going to unpack that tonight. There's a whole message about how we honor God. Um, but I want to focus more about how we honor one another. And there's a whole number of scriptures that, that talk about this in the Bible. Um, so, so, for instance, I, I've got three different versions here from Romans 12.10. Here's the New King James Version. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. In honor giving preference to one another. You know, when I was a young man growing up, my father was old school. I mean, real old school. So, so like, if, if um, you know, if I was walking down a corridor and there was a woman there, you'd open the door and let the lady go through first. You know, if you're on a train and there was an older person on the train, my father would say to me, get up, let them sit down. Yeah. And older, you gave honor to them. You got up, you sat. That's about giving preference to one another. Yeah. Uh, real old school. In fact, it was very hard for me when I moved to Denmark because Denmark is a very egalitarian society, the, 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 particularly... Um, the feminist movement in De Denmark is very, very strong. I remember once I was on a train and an old lady got in, got on the train, and I got up and said, would you like my seat? And she said, do you think I'm a cripple or something? And I, I was trying to honor her, and she actually felt insulted by it. Uh, so sometimes giving preference to people is, is really tricky in some cultures. You have to be careful. Here's the, here's the net version of the Bible. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness in honoring one another. Showing eagerness. So in other words, whatever, whatever way we choose to honor one another, we're meant to be eager to do it. Do you get that? That's the sort of an attitude that you bring to it. It's like, you know, like get up from your seat, let the, oh, must I? You know, that, that's not eagerness, is it? Here's the, here's the one that I really like. It's the message version. It says this, be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. How many you know in an orchestra, second fiddle is really important? How many you know that? Everyone thinks it's all about first fiddle, but second fiddle. Do you know what? I reckon, I did a message recently at a church, and, and that's the importance of a number two leader. And, and I don't mean just the second person in charge. I mean somebody who's not the pioneer, who's not the first, who's not necessarily the person on stage, but they're a leader, but they're like at second tier. They're like next level leaders. And, uh, you know, one of the things, I've never, I've yet to hear a preach on leading up. I hear about leading down, but leading up. So I did a message recently on leading up. But that's a whole other thing. But the point I want to make here is that Honor is about giving preference, it's about having the right attitude, bringing eagerness to it, and it's about willing to be second fiddle. In other words, you don't always have to be first. Have you got that? So that all of that is all about honor. But honor operates in four basic dimensions when we're honoring one another. 
And honor is all about the value that you give to an object or a person. How many of you know, if you're a musician here, that your instrument is really valuable to you? Especially if you're, you know, your guitar player and you've got a tailor. I mean, how do you, want, how do you, make, how do you make a musician nervous? Okay, here's what you do. <laughs> you know, that's how you make a musician nervous. And it's like, you know, if you, I remember one time, now I'm nervous. Yeah, okay. That's, there we go. I remember, don't do that. Don't tease me. In Jesus' name, stay. When you value something, you're nervous about how it's used, how it's treated. When you value something. And honor is an expression of the value you give to something. I would say that <clears throat> honor is probably the most neglected thing in relationships and society today. We sort of live in a culture where everything is up for grabs. You can mock any, anything. You can speak against anything. You don't have to show reverence or respect to anything. All of that is deeply rooted in dishonor. But the Bible says one of the ways that we build that, that love thrives in or the atmosphere of loving one another is in, an, and is in a culture of honor where we truly value one another. And so the value you place on something says something about the honor that you give to it. And the honor that you give to it says something about the value that you place upon it. Now, when I think about honor, I like to think of it like this. It's like polishing silver. In other words, when I honor you, I'm not increasing your value, but I'm helping to display your value. You see, value operates at four different kinds of level. There's what we call intrinsic or personal value. Then there's what we call status value. Then there's what I call achievement value. And finally, character value. Let me deal with those really, really quickly. Intrinsic value. So in other words, silver, no matter how much it's tarnished, never loses its intrinsic value. In fact, you could take anything made of silver, you could bash it, smash it, completely distort it, but it's still silver. In other words, intrinsic value never disappears. Every single one of you in this room has an intrinsic value before God. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. All of you have intrinsic value. Even a guy lying drunk in the gutter has an intrinsic value in God's sight because he was made in the image of God. Now, the silver might have been beaten and battered. He, it may be misshapen in terms of what God designed him to be, but he's never lost his intrinsic value. That's why the Bible says this, what will it profit man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is saying your soul has value. You can mistreat it. You can sell your soul. You can give your soul to the wrong thing, but your soul has value. And even if you, you sell your soul, your soul still has value. and you, you can't buy it. It says this in Psalm 49. They trust in their wealth, verse 6. They trust in their wealth and boast in great riches. Certainly a man cannot rescue his brother. He cannot pay God an adequate ransom price. Oh, it's not up there. Okay. 
So we're not doing the text tonight. Okay, he cannot pay God an adequate ransom price so that he might continue to live forever and not experience death. The ransom price for a human life is too high and people go to their final destiny. In, in, in other words, he's saying here, you can't buy your life. The price is too high. Only Jesus could pay the price, the ransom price for your life. Why did he do that? Because every single person in this room has intrinsic value. That's not what I want to focus on tonight. Here's the second thing that you have. You have status value. Status value is all about the position that you hold. So that's why the Bible says, honor the king. You have to give honor to people who are in authority. Second uh, Timothy 5.17, the elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. So anyone who's got a position... So, you know, if you're somebody who's driving your car and a policeman stops you and you've been speeding like I did once in New Zealand. How many of you know, how many of you know speeding in New Zealand is a real no-no? Like in England, we just say, yeah. Like here, if you admit to speeding, it's like saying I had an affair. I mean, it's just a really bad thing. I tell you, I, I, I confessed to speeding once at a conference and, you know, all the women in the room were tut, tut, tutting. I was talking about how I was, I was caught doing 140 kilometres an hour. Now, I'm so glad you're laughing. You're obviously more liberal down in Dunedin. You know, but up there, it was like all these mothers were looking at me. Oh, you irresponsible man. You're just disgusting. I felt the shame coming on me, you know. It's like, whoa. Yeah, and the policeman caught me. How many of you know that's a big fine? $500. Yeah, pulled me over. He said, uh, he said, you just made my day. I said, did I? He said, yep. You lost your license, you've lost your car, and I'm going to charge you $500. And I said... Do you want some good news? Good news for me. I'm British, so you can't touch my license. It's not my car, so you can't touch the car. And I'll gladly pay you $500, because it would cost me more to go on a racing track and do what I've been doing for the last two hours. (laughs) The policeman looks in, he goes, looks like we're both going to have a good day then. But how many of you know status value? I had to come under his authority. I had to respect his authority. I had to pay the fine. That's the fine. I couldn't say, you know, I'm British, hasta la vista. I had to, I was under that authority. I had to respect that authority. You see, respect is all about acknowledging that there is an authority in the land and you have to honor it, you have to respect it. So status value is all about the position a person holds. That's why Romans 13, Paul says this in verse 7, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs or income tax, revenue, VAT to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, and honour to whom honour. And so in the Bible, if somebody has a particular status... Listen, Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, is the president of the United States and his office deserves honour. Do you get that? We might end up with Boris Johnson as our prime minister. Oh, my goodness. You know, Brexit is like doing the okie-cokie. In, out, in, out, shake it all about. Okay, 
too, too subtle for some of you. <laughs> Here's the two I really want to focus on tonight. You've got this intrinsic value. It's built in. You can never remove it. Then you've got status value, which is all about position. And, and how many of you know position comes and goes? So that kind of honor comes and goes. But there are two kinds of value that I really want to focus on. One is character value. One is achievement value. Character value is all about... So, so yeah, if, if intrinsic value is like who I am and status value is about the positional responsibility I hold, achievement value is what I achieve and character value is what I become. So in other words, I have this intrinsic value because I'm a human being made in the image of God, but over time, I can develop my character and become something more than I am intrinsically. Do you get that? So in the Bible, you've got people who begin somewhere, but God is calling them through destiny. He's calling them into a relationship with him to become something more than they are, even intrinsically. They'll never lose their intrinsic value, but they can suddenly now develop their character, and now they become somebody that God can use. Moses became more than he was in Egypt. He had an encounter with God and he went on a journey with God and he became more than what he started as. Peter started as a fisherman, but Jesus called him into a relationship and he went on that journey and he became more than he was at the beginning because his character grew, his character developed. He became into a great leader. Along the way, he stumbled. Along the way, he failed. Along the way, there were missteps, but in the end, he became what God called him to be. And every single one of you in this room, you get to make decisions in life that determine whether your character is shaped for good or whether your character is undermined and broken down. Will you become the vessel God has designed and ordained for you to be or will you become a broken vessel? You'll still have your intrinsic value. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, some people are saved yet as by fire. Everything they did in life is burned up, but they're saved. Their intrinsic value was never lost. But their character, well, what about Lot? The Bible calls him a righteous man, but everything he invested his life into was burned up. It went up in spoke. There's an example of 1 Corinthians 3 in the Old Testament. And you know, his life doesn't end well. It's like he ends up in a cave with two daughters having incest. I mean, that's just not a great end, is it? Creates two nations, the Edomites and the Moabites. It's like, not good. Your choices make a difference. And you can shape your character. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified or set apart and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. This is character value. In other words, Paul is saying in a great house, you've got all kinds of stuff. Some are made of gold and silver, some of wood and clay. Now, I love the message translation of this. It says some things are made to put on display and other things are made to take out the rubbish. 
How many of you know you don't put your rubbish bin on display? You throw your rubbish in your rubbish bin. You put it as far away from your guests as possible. But if you have an important guest, you bring out the fine china. You bring out the best. Because you want to honor your guests with your best. Paul is saying your life is like that. And he's saying you get to choose what type of vessel you are. You see, some people, they're praying the wrong way. They're saying, God, use me. God, use me. And then they live like hell. And they're praying, God, use me. God, use me. Well, he will use you. You'll be the one who takes out the rubbish. You'll be the garbage collector. But Paul is saying here, why don't you cleanse yourself? If anyone cleanses himself from the ladder, he'll be a vessel for honor. In other words, instead of somebody who takes out the rubbish, get rid of the rubbish that's in your life. Get rid of the rubbish and suddenly you'll find God will start to use you as a vessel of honor in a choice way. It's like you'll be the best china. It's like you'll be the gold. You'll be the silver. And here's the thing about this text. You get to choose what kind of vessel you are. People say, oh, well, it's all preordained. No. Your calling was preordained, but your character is not preordained. Your character is about the choices you make in life. And every decision has an impact on the next decision. Because every decision you make, neuroscience says, is forming a pathway in your brain. And all the decisions accumulate together and build a highway. That's why you have to create habits in your life. Habits are good things. In the morning, you know, I have a habit. I get up, I have a shower every single day. Thank you. <laughs> you, know, you know where I learned that habit? When I got married. When I was... <laughs> so you're not getting into this bed smelling like that. Okay. I told you my father was old school. Like, like my brother and I were born 10 years after the war. So like, here's old school. You bath once a week because there's a shortage. It was like old school. It's like, I, I, I grew up and said, you know, Dad, you know, it's not the war any longer. You can shower every day. I do recommend it for mum's sake. <laughs> you get to make choices. And those choices make a difference. But here's, the choices build into habits. Let, let me encourage you, have a habit of reading the Bible. Yeah. Nowadays, listen, you can download an app and you can go on a reading plan on an app or you can go on a devotional plan on an app. It is so easy today. And you take your phone with you everywhere you go. I had to get used to people getting out their phones. Actually, you never know whether someone's on Facebook or listening attentively and taking notes. It's like, okay, anyone feeling convicted right now? Yeah, I can see it going right across the room. There it is. But character value, you, you get to, your character gets to be shaped. You see, discipleship is all about shaping character. Yeah. It's all about shaping character. Every experience you go through where you have an opportunity to get resentful and to get hurt and to get bitter and to withdraw and live with unforgiveness, or you go through the pain of that hurt and you say, God, I'm going to leave this in your hands. I'm going to choose to forgive. Yeah. I'm going to choose to forgive. I've had all kinds of situations in life where people have hurt me and I could have got angry and I could have got bitter. I could have withdrawn, but I just decided, no, 
I'm going to leave it to God. I'm going to leave it to God. I remember one time I was working in a company that I owned, and because of a series of decisions that two other guys in the company made, we virtually went bankrupt. And, it, and, and then I found out that when we'd registered the company, they actually hadn't registered the company properly, so I was liable for everything. So it was a three-man partnership, but it all ended up coming back to me. And the two guys who were involved just completely disappeared. They literally moved away. And I was left holding the baby. And because the company was a, a Christian company and it was in the name of the church, you know, we had a whole number of debtors. And it, en it ended up being like 20,000 pounds of debt, which back in 1987 was a lot of money. And we could have gone bankrupt. And I, I went and I prayed and I thought, if we go bankrupt, I was thinking of all the people we owed money to, all the Christian companies that I'd done business with, friends of mine, people I knew. I knew their families. I remember talking it through with my wife and I said, Jackie, I can't do this. I can't hurt those families. And it's going to hurt the name of the Lord because it's a Christian company. I don't think we should do it. And she said, well, what do you think we should do? I said, let's sell our home and give all the money and pay all the debt. She said, Peter, we have five kids. We have six now, but we had five at that time. And I said, Jackie, I think if we honor God, he'll honor us. And she said, she said, that's our family home. I said, I know. I, just, I think it's the right thing to do. We prayed about it for four months. Just carried it. And I didn't want to push it on. I didn't want to force her. I wanted her to embrace the decision with me. We prayed about it for four months, and I can't say she was joyful, <laughs> but she came to a place of peace. And she said, okay, let's do it. And we did it. Sold our home, paid all the debt off. And uh, my father, he, I, I, he found out what, what we were doing, and he said, Peter, he said, I want to give you and your brother a bit of money. He said, I know you're in a difficult situation. So he gave me 5,000 pounds. He gave my brother 5,000. He said, I want to give you a little bit of early inheritance. And with 5,000 pounds, we managed to put a deposit on another house. And we moved out of our lovely home. We moved into this house where everything was broken in this home. We had no hot water for six months. We washed the dishes by boiling a kettle and tipping it into. One of the first thing I did was fit a power shower because we had no hot water. So I said, kids, there's a power shower. You want hot water? Stand under that. And so at least we could wash every day. But no, no hot water. We didn't have a, t a functioning toilet. The plumbing was all wrong. I had a bucket of water that we'd fill from the tap and we'd throw it down the toilet to flush the toilet. That's how we did it. For six months with five kids. Do you think I didn't get tempted to get angry? You think I wasn't tempted to look at those guys who'd literally gone to different countries, literally left the countries, walked away, had no responsibility. I was left carrying the can. I remember, you know, when everything was breaking down in the house, I remember walking down the road and it was like God was shaping my character. Can you hold on to me? Can you live with forgiveness in your heart? Can you live trusting me? Can you live looking to my grace? And I said, God, I am 39 years of age. I have five kids. I've got nothing. I was just mad. 
And I, it was like a voice from heaven in my heart. He said, you've got nothing but my grace. And now watch what that will do for you. And I just started, I was walking down the road, I was sobbing, tears were coming down. Like, okay, I'm the grace. my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I can't feel any weaker than I am right now. And it was just like, oh my goodness. I was just holding on to the grace of God. And it was like God was shaping my character. And I, and I just said to myself, I want to be a vessel of honor. I know I did this to honor God. I know I did this to honor his name. I did the honorable thing. How many of you know sometimes you do the honorable thing and your life falls apart even further? Anyone heard that one yet? It's like Joseph. He runs away from Potiphar's wife. She's trying to seduce him. Joseph. Instead of leaving his character behind, he's left his coat behind. And he ran away. And you'd have thought, oh, God's really going to honor a man who stands firm in his integrity and he honors God with a choice like that. And he ends up in prison. You see, sometimes in life, you will do the right thing and it'll get worse. You will do the right thing and God says, well, actually, it's going to get worse because I'm still shaping who you are. I'm still testing who you are. I'm still seeing, even though it got worse, do you really believe I'm a good God and I'm for you? And it's like when he went down into that prison, it's like, oh, my goodness. If there was a time in his life when he could have kicked something and just said, what the heck is going on? You have this little phrase in Genesis repeated several times, and here it is, and the Lord was with Joseph. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care how bad you think it is. I want to tell you, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you. His rod and his staff is comfort you. It's there. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Do you know Hebrews 13.5? It's translated, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. It doesn't do justice to the Greek. I'm going to give you a tiny little Greek lesson now. Greek works, works by emphasizing and repeating something. So when it says, I will never leave you, it's actually a double negative in the Greek. And when he says, I'll never forsake you, it's actually a triple negative. The best way to translate it is like this. I will never, never leave you. I will... Never, never, never forsake you. It's a double negative followed by a triple negative. Five times Jesus is saying, I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you. See, so often we want God to deliver us from the pain of the problem and God wants to walk with us in the pain and teach us something and shape our character and shape our heart. You know, a few weeks after that word came into my heart, a friend of mine came to me. He said, I think you need to go to university. Go back to university and study. I started laughing. I said, man, I've got five kids. I've got responsibilities. I'm barely, I'm barely alive. I was on minimum wage working in a job. Who wants to employ? Uh, that's another story, but yeah. That was where my ministry fell apart. It's, it's so funny, when your business falls apart, your ministry falls apart, and then you fall apart. You know, that was kind of life for me in that season. 
But this guy said, I remember going to the university, and I'm a university dropout. I left, I left university to go to Bible college nine months before finishing my civil engineering degree. God called me. And uh, I remember saying to the Lord, yeah, I'll go to Bible college when I graduate. And the Holy Spirit said, no, now. All hell broke loose in my family when that happened. But I, 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 went to, I went to Bible college. I graduated. I was in ministry. I was ordained by the time I was 30. By the time I was 33, I had a church of 500 people. I was getting invited all over the place because I was young and successful. Everybody wanted to know me until my life fell apart. And then nobody wanted to know me. All the invitations dried up overnight. It's really funny how that happens. It's like, mm, yeah, we don't want him. We don't want Job. <laughs> you know what I mean? The ash hip ministry. Uh, but I remember going to this university and then saying, they basically said this to me. They said, you're one of the most unusual people we've ever met. We think you'd be good on this program. We'd like to offer you a place. And I walked out the, uh, the, the, the uh, interview. And as I was going past the reception, the lady there said to me, oh, the professor will write to you and let you know if you're on the program. And I said, no, I said, he's already told me I'm on the program. And she looked at me and she said, ooh, you must be special. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, yes, I rather think I am. <laughs> did a lot for my, it did a lot for me in that moment. When I had nothing. And then, and then when I got off of this place at university, I went back to this businessman who said to me, you know, I really think you should go back to university. I said, look, Ian, I just can't, I can't do this. I've been accepted. But it's 10,000 pounds over two years. That's a lot of money. He said, the Lord spoke to me. I'm going to pay for you to go. <laughs> Bible says those who honor me I will honor. God just began to do amazing stuff for my wife and I. But you know what? It was all about, do I want to be a vessel of honor? Or do I want to be a vessel that takes out the rubbish? God is going to use you whatever choices you make in life. But he will only use you for his choice purposes if you allow your character to be shaped by him. And that's a collaborative thing between you and God. That's, that's about letting go of the past. That's about letting go of disappointment. That's about forgiving people. That's all, it's, it's all that kind of stuff that becomes the rubbish in your heart. And because that rubbish is in your heart, that's what you do. You take out rubbish. You become what you are. You have a choice. But, but there's another one here. Not only do we have character value, what I become, we have achievement value, what I achieve. Do you know, if you take a bar of stainless steel, it's going to cost you approximately five New Zealand dollars. Just a small bar of stainless steel. It's going to cost you five New Zealand dollars. If you make that steel into horseshoes, the value increases to $12. If you take that same steel and through precision engineering, you make them into needles, that, that same steel is now worth $3,500. If you take that same steel and through precision engineering, you make it into watch springs, those springs altogether are worth $300,000. The intrinsic value never changed. It's a $5 piece of steel. 
but the steel got shaped into different things. And as it got shaped into different things, it increased its value. That's what can happen to you and I. Why is it we give gold medals to Olympic runners? Why do we do that? Why do we celebrate success? Why do we get excited about football teams? Why are we so excited that England is going to win at cricket tonight? Oh, you were with me right up until then, weren't you? Who knows? And some of you are saying, who cares? But we invest in those kinds of things. Why? Because we love achievement. Because achievement is about stretching yourself. Achievement is about success. Now, here's the problem. Achievement is about the skills you develop. But many times what we do is we put a whole lot of energy into achieving something without developing who we are. And so you've got to develop character value alongside achievement value. You've got to have integrity of heart as well as skillfulness of hands. That's what it says about David in Psalm 72, 78. It says he shepherded Israel according to the integrity of his heart and he led them with the skillfulness of his hands. He had both. He developed good character, but he developed skill at the same time. Too often in the church, what we do is we emphasize good character, but then we put Muppets in charge of churches. <laughs> they have absolutely no skill. Do you realize that the average church will never grow past 100 people? Why? Because pastors are never taught how to lead organizations. They're taught how to read the Bible, expound the Bible, preach the Bible. When I went back to university, I did a master's degree in leadership and organizational development. Do you know afterwards, I got a job with a company where back in 1997, they were hiring me out for a thousand pounds a day. I was making my boss a lot of money, a whole lot of money. And when I started making him money, I started thinking to myself, if I'm making you so much money, I should have some of that. And I went in and I renegotiated, renegotiated my salary. I said, for every, for every thousand pounds, I want 10%. Over and above my salary. I was on a basic salary. I said, I'll do all this. I'll make you loads of money. You'll get 90, I'll get 10. He said, deal. I made a whole lot of money that year. You know why? Because it was like Joseph. It was like the hand of God was on me. Everything I touched succeeded. Everything I touched. People loved me. They wanted, oh, we want that guy. We want him to do our seminar. We would do that. I would have 20 people for a day. And at the end of the day, you know, our company made a whole load of money. It was really good. Why? Because I had achievement value. I was good at what I did. I knew what I brought to the table. I love your musicians, you know. They have, they've achieved a certain level of skill. I want to encourage you musicians, just get better and better. Get better and better. We have a guy who leads our worship. He's a guitar player. He can actually play several instruments, but he's a brilliant guitar player. He graduated with the highest honors from one of the best music academies in the United Kingdom. He leads worship in our church. I'm just taking him on staff. It's so good. We have a guy who leads our production team. You know what this guy did for a living, for years? For the last 10 years, he was the director of the most successful morning TV show in Great Britain. The most He's won BAFTAs. That's like Oscars. He's our production manager in our church. 
It's like everyone in the TV world knows his name. He just did a, he just did a documentary two weeks ago on Channel 4 with all the politicians who wanted to be prime minister in our country. His program was so successful and so far above all the other programs. Every channel did one, but his was the best. And so every TV station around the world wanted to use clips from his program. He made a whole lot of money. How good is that? Because we award gold medals to winners. Listen, you and I, we need to be winners. But don't become a winner and achieve things at the expense of your life and your character. Don't lose your soul in the process. Let, let your soul, let your character develop. You see, the problem is that sometimes your achievements will take you where your character can't keep you. You've got to be careful about that. You've got to have both. We're here for the long term. We're here to succeed. We're here to be people who make an impact. And so I want to say, the way you honor God is by building a life of honor, becoming a vessel of honor, becoming somebody who is trustworthy, that, that people can lean on, that somebody who's true to their word, that when you say you're going to do something, you follow through. Have you ever met somebody who says they're going to be somewhere and they don't turn up? You know what I call them? I, I quote from the book of Jude, clouds without rain. <laughs> it's like they're there, but nothing happens. And they speak the language of respect. Oh, yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. But they never deliver. The most frustrating people in the world to work with. Because they say all the right things, but they never follow through. Don't be like that. If you give your word, follow through. You know what it does? It builds something in you. It builds something in you, not just in them. You become what you declare. So follow through on what you say. And then, and then develop your level of skill. No matter what your skill is. Listen, if you're somebody who's on a camera, learn everything about the camera. If you're somebody who's on uh, the mixing desk, learn about that technology. Whatever it is you're doing, just become really good at it. Listen, if you're a nurse here or a teacher here or a doctor here or a dentist here, just be really good at it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, really, really good. I was watching a program on YouTube about a doctor who gives injections to two-year-olds without them crying. Without, I was absolutely amazed watching him. He just played a little game with them for five minutes. He took five minutes. Most doctors are given the injection. They'll get over it. Boom. Yeah! Not this guy. Come in. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's play a game. Let's play a little game. And he goes, you know, he does a little ipsy-wipsy spider and he's doing all kinds of things. He goes, boom. And then he pokes him with his finger and boom. And he spends five minutes doing this with the kid and they're laughing and then finally gets the injection out and he goes, boom. And the kid goes, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> game over. I thought, that guy's a genius. He deserves a medal. He's absolutely brilliant at what he does. How creative is that? Just be the best version of yourself in what you do. Listen, if you know, one of the things that when I was at church, one of the things that I really struggled with was I was a teenager and I found church boring. It was terrible. And uh, I didn't go to a church like this. I wouldn't find this church boring. But I went to a church, you know, where everything was serious. Nobody laughed. I remember my very first communion service. We all sat in a circle and nobody said anything to, for 20 minutes. And I, I, I turned to the person next to me and I said, did somebody die? And they said, no, we're remembering the Lord's death till he comes. 
Wow, that's a great way to remember. You know, I think the greatest sin in the church today is not all the stuff that people talk about. I think it's boredom. To take the God who created the universe, who created the variety of the universe, and to make him appear boring is an unbelievable sin. We're supposed to come to church and be excited. We're supposed to come to church and feel like we've had an encounter. We're supposed to come to church and feel like I could bring my friends here. Not, oh, thank God I didn't ask so-and-so to come today after what happened. All the weird stuff, you know? We're not meant to do weird. We're meant to do great. We're meant to be vessels of honor. And that's a choice that is in our power and in our hands. Yes, it's the grace of God that makes us who we are, but it's us saying yes to the grace of God enables us to be who God has ordained us to be. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Let's have the team up. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.